0: 1 John chapter 4. Victory Sunday today, and we rejoice in victory. I want to talk to you this morning about faith is the victory, because you and I need to understand that we can live victoriously today. Now that ha- that statement has been made, but so often the, the idea behind that is skewed today. Uh, it's skewed to, to promote a, a gospel of health and wealth that really is no gospel at all. Paul would say that's a false gospel. And so we have to be careful that we, uh, we recognize what it means to be really victorious in Christ. In 1992, um, I was a sophomore in high school. And I know you've, you've heard stories from me before. I don't think I've ever told this one. Uh, I was the first baseman on the Ripley High School baseball team. Now you need to understand that prior to that year, Ripley baseball was mediocre at best. Two years prior to that, uh, or the year before, we won one game more than we lost, and that was just a huge reason to celebrate in Ripley. But that year, we had a a special team. Our team gelled together. We played well together. We won uh, the division championship. We went into the playoffs not expecting to go very far. We won our first round, and we won our second round. We got to the north half. And had to play a team in the Delta. And I want to be honest, with you it was a challenge. Because we went down to the Delta, and I I promised the umpires were blind, and they didn't know the rules. Uh, The odds were stacked against us. But we came out of that series uh, victorious. I'll never forget that Saturday we played at Grenada High School. And and, and at the end of the game, when the the last uh, out was made, and we were the winners, we, we began to pile on each other. Um, there in the middle of the field, that celebration that you see, just, just an elation. We walked away from that ecstatic, and, and we walked away confident, confident in what we had as a team. That was, oh, that was a special year. Well, the following week, we were to go into the um, into the state championship series uh, right outside of Meridian, a school that called West Lauderdale. They've been up here, I know, and played Pontotop. And um, we, uh, we went down, and we, it was just a, a, an immaculate field and, and system and all that stuff. and We got out there the first game. We were confident. We were ready to play uh, that, that very first game. We got out. We warmed up. Well, we were hooping and hollering. We were still coming off the end of that celebration. We got into the game. We, uh, after the first at-bat, went out into the field, and uh, we, were, we were excited. Woo! We were excited until the first pitch. The first pitch, our pitcher threw. I'm telling you, the very first pitch was launched over the left field fence. And we all looked at each other and went, "Uh uh-oh, this is going to be bad. We lost that series in two games. But I never forget that, that, uh uh-oh, that moment where the elation, the victory that we had experienced, all of a sudden became doubt. All of a sudden became uh, an, an, almost an insurmountable um, doubt as to whether or not we could we could win the, the game. I, and I feel like for many of us as believers, that's where we are in our walk with the Lord. Because what happens in life when we hear this good news of the Gospel. We hear the great news of... Of Jesus and what he can do for us, and and then we 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 accept it, we receive it, we step out into the world, and, and all of a sudden it's not as easy as we may have thought it was. There's still our temptations. There are those who are critical of our faith. There are those who don't believe, and so there's there, there there's this struggle that we have. But hear me this morning. God does not desire us to stay in that spirit, that sense of uh-oh, I can't do this. He gives us His Spirit. He equips us in order that we can walk day by day victorious in Him. Victorious in Him. Read with me in First John, actually chapter 4, verse 20. The Scripture says this, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Chapter 5, verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. Listen to verse 4. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our Faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This morning we're going to camp out on verse number four, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you a reason to read the entire text. But you think about this. For everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Let's define a few things. Number one, let's define the word victory. What does the word victory mean to you? overcoming, conquering, reaching a goal, success, champion, victory, victory. Can I tell you this more? Victory is more than making it to church on time. Some of you, that's for victory. Can I get an amen? amen? Yeah. Some of you just went, he's talking about me. Well, let me tell you this as well. Victory is more than making it to heaven. Now, here, here's a concern from my heart as your pastor. That most of us view, many of us view victory in Christ as the promise that one day, being in Him gets us entrance into heaven. And and let me tell you, that is a victory, by the way. Death is not defeat for the child of God. Death is victory because we move from this place home with Him and that is victory. But if that's the only victory we have, we're missing out on the blessing of walking with the Lord in our day-to-day lives. So victory is more than going to heaven. Okay? Please, please, please understand that. Let me, let me give you a definition. Yes, victory is triumph, success, winning, but it's doing so in our everyday lives. Victory is, look, look at this victory is winning forward. The baby steps and leaps of faith to grow every day in our walk with Christ. Victory is winning forward, taking those baby steps that we need to take. Angie, you have an incredible testimony, and and please don't ever feel like you shouldn't share. But over the last ten years, have uh, have you had to take some difficult steps? Sure. Victory is taking the difficult steps, whether they be baby steps or whether they be giant leaps of faith, in order that you and I can grow closer to the Lord. If victory is only about going to heaven, then day to day when we face the decision, day to day when we face the difficulty, we'll not look to Him first. We'll just hope we survive. Victory is winning forward, walking every day with Him. Okay? What, is, what does He mean by the world? This is a victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Do you mean the world. Well, the concept of the world here is not that we dominate the world. Okay, the concept is the world system that is against everything God is about. You understand that the world system made itself evident in the form of a serpent in the Garden of Eden. The serpent comes and he speaks to Adam and Eve. He is against what God is doing. Here's a couple that's walking with God in the garden. The world system stepped in and confused what God had said and tempted them and they succumbed to the temptation. The world system is against the... When you look at the Old Testament, you see the world system against against the people of God over and over and over. Whether that world system is... Um, is, the, is the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Philistines. The world system is, has always been against the Lord. We see that today, this world system. That the world is uh, anything that wars against the Lord. And so as we, we think about that, we, we have to understand who is our enemy. Who is our enemy? So often we get into conflict with the people around us. Ephesians 6 tells us who our enemy is. Listen to this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Y'all, the devil's not stupid. He's not ignorant. He's not weak. He's not as strong as our Lord, but he's not weak. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. You understand that our enemy is bigger than anything we see in this world. You can look at a picture of Vladimir Putin and you can see an empty and hollowness to his eyes. But He is not the huge enemy. You can look and listen to the claims and uh, the, the, the evil in this world, but yet they are not. It's bigger. It's a scheme of Satan that wars against God's people that raises his head in various ways in, through blatant evil. Blatant evil like ISIS, okay? That's evil. That's wickedness. Atheism is a form of, of, of just blatant, in-your-face wickedness. But it's not always those blatant, uh, evils that, that we see that are, are the attacks on us. Sometimes it's natural occurrences that happen in our lives. Things like sickness, disease, and death. Those things that ravage the body, uh, war against us. Those things are a result of sin. Not necessarily personal sin in our lives, but of original sin. The effects are, are, are sickness and disease and, and death. Well, uh, it's not just those natural occurrences, but there, there are some subtle uh, annoyances in our lives. What a Discouragement. One of the main reasons, and listen, I tell people this quite often because I think you need to understand Every one of you in here need to hear this. One of the number one ways Satan will try and destroy your faith is to discourage you. It doesn't have to be a big thing. It can be the smallest thing. I heard this about someone. I heard this about me. All of a sudden, that takes root and it begins to grow and it begins to swell and, and fester in our lives. And man, it's just like what was so subtle has taken over us. That's part of, of, of this world system the, the discouragement, doubt, fear, temptation temptation, the world system that would would try uh, to, to tear you down. Peer pressure. And by the way, that's not just for teens, school age. Some of us adults need to recognize the peer pressure that envelops our lives because we allow it to. The societal influence to conform. We need to recognize that apathy, arrogance, laziness. Oh, all of these things are part of the world system. If they become a part of our lives, they draw us away from faith in the Lord. The subtle annoyances. I would also point to you some subtle false teachings. You recognize Scripture says Second Corinthians eleven fourteen that Satan parades himself about as an angel of light. Meaning, we encounter some things that may sound good. We encounter some things that may make us feel good, but when we get down to an examination of the truth of the Word of God, they are false. By the way, let me stop right there and tell you this, folks. John writes that we better test every spirit. If Look, even if they sell it at LifeWay, it doesn't mean it's good. Scripture warns us that we are to be discerning in our lives. Why? Because the subtle false teachings that this world will throw at us will creep in, they'll get a root, and they will tear down our faith because it becomes more about us than about the one that we should trust. We have to be very careful. Very careful in our walk to the Lord that we not stick out. That's part of the world's system. But look at what John writes here. If this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Our faith. What, what is faith this morning? How, how would you define faith? Now, y'all going to have to pay attention up there. When I ask a question, if you put the answer on the board, that's called Eaten. All right, the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not yet seen. Okay, thank you. Too late now. Faith. Faith is a surrendered trust. Put it back up there, try so and read it. Surrendered trust to believe Jesus. Now notice, it's not just to believe in Jesus, but to believe Jesus. That is His finished work, as well as His promises. Folks, if we understand the promises of Christ in our lives, we've got every reason to continue walking in our faith. Because the promises of Jesus will get us through the difficult days. They'll get us us through the hard times. They'll get us through until we stand before Him and see Him just as he is. Faith. Surrender trust. Now, uh, look, I, I've told you this before. It's more than believing the facts about Jesus. It's taking the facts. It's taking the facts and doing something about it. I love the way the psalmist writes. Or the, psalmist, the psalmist writes, taste and see that the Lord is good. Here's something I'm setting before you. You can either Trust that I I say it's good, or you can take it for yourself. Now, y'all know I like to play jokes, right? I got something in my hand. Oh, man. I brought a box of these back from Peru. Y'all remember these? Sublime. I could tear it up right now. Rusty didn't buy donuts. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Sublime. It's a chocolate bar from Peru. I bought one. I bought a box, brought them home. I liked them so well, I sent money back for them to bring me another box when when Sean returned. Boy, it's so good. It's the best thing I've ever had, chocolate-wise. Would anybody trust me with it, knowing how I like to mess around? Hey, y'all don't trust me at all, do you? Anybody? Cobb. Cobb, you don't even like chocolate. Here, Cobb, come here. Come here. If you think it's a joke, you can give it to your grandmother. And tell her it's for me. No. I know about sacrifice. That ain't it. I'm just kidding. When when you have faith in something, it's not just about saying, you know, I I believe that. Or I believe Faith is believing so much that you would jump off the cliff right into the middle of it. Faith. So let me ask you, how is it that faith in our lives helps us overcome the world? Number one, faith. Trust in someone or something greater than ourselves. Y'all understand that this world is too big for us to handle on our own. I know we pump a lot of stuff. You can do anything you want to as long as you put your mind to it. But y'all, we can't handle the world as it is on our own. But faith placed in the Lord Jesus Faith placed in Him is the beginning point of overcoming the world. Overcoming those things that drag us down. Overcoming those things that tear us apart. It begins in that moment where we hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That that yes, I am a sinner. But Christ died for my sins. He bore my penalty. Paid my debt on a cruel cross. He paid your debt on a cruel cross. He was buried on the third day. He rose again. And in His Word, He says, If you will confess Me, you'll be saved. You'll call to Me. You can be saved. If you, by faith, trust Him, believe in Him, you can be born again. That's a step of faith. To throw ourselves in His care. Let me ask you this morning, have you ever trusted Christ as your Savior? I mean, have you ever thrown everything about you into Jesus? Hear the Gospel, recognize your sin, and you give yourself completely to Him? Let me ask you, are you by faith trusting Him to conduct your life today? Folks, faith is not a one time experience. If all you've got in faith is that you prayed a prayer one day, that is not faith at all. Because faith is an investment or a receiving of Christ's investment, not just to get you into heaven, but to walk with Him through this life. Are you trusting Him? To conduct your life today, to lead your life today, we've got to ask. We've got to answer this question. The, the question is: Can we trust Jesus? According to His Word, we can. And when we recognize in in our minds and our hearts that we can trust Him, then our response to that is that we yield ourselves. We give ourselves to him. Faith, faith, trust the power of Christ that is greater than ourselves, but faith also yields in obedience to the one who is our authority, our ultimate authority. I've told you, it's more than going to church. The context here in in John is this. John is writing and saying to them, uh, if you've been born of God, if you've been born again, then you will love your brother. It's not something you can do to say one thing and be another. Folks, listen this morning. If we say that we that are in Christ, then our lives should demonstrate that. People should be able to see that in the way we live on a day-to-day basis. Faith yields in obedience. That out of a grateful heart for His redemption and salvation, faith yields obedience To the Lord. That is obedience in the little things. Obedience in the big things. We recognize that. um, Thou shalt not murder. Most of us don't want to kill anybody. Most of us don't want to commit murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Most of us don't want to do that. Most of us haven't done that. Listen this morning. Faith means staying faithful in the big things. But also in the little things. The little things. The pure words in our lives. Pure words. Scripture says that our words ought to be pure. Uh, pure thoughts. Uh, this morning I read a devotion that says whatsoever is pure, whatsoever thing is lovely, whatsoever thing just, dwell on these things. Pure thoughts. And out of the, the choice to be pure, to be faithful, to be obedient to the Lord, we take those little things seriously. If you don't take the little things seriously, you will succumb to the big things. <laughs> you don't have to spread that gospel if you're going to be obedient to the Lord. Hear me, faith in the, the little things. Faith is obedient in the hard things, the uncomfortable things. The things that we think, well, that's somebody else's job. That's for somebody else to do. Faith yields itself in obedience to the the Lord. Listen, faith does not argue with God. Y'all know that. Faith doesn't argue with His Word. Faith reads the Word and, and accepts it, trusts our Lord in it, and it becomes obedient to Him. Why? Because out of the gratefulness of a redeemed heart, our desire is to be obedient to Him. Well, I would say to you as well, faith proceeds through the attack. The attacks of the satanic world system. It proceeds through those attacks. You've heard this morning, victory over some attacks. Listen, every day of our lives, the temptation that we face. uh, You know your weakness. You know areas where you are susceptible to temptation. I've told you Satan's not ignorant. He knows those as well. Those temptations come. Faith proceeds through them. Faith does not let go of the hand of God. Faith walks with God through them. you want to be victorious over those temptations, then you take that first baby step. Now, I told you earlier, there's subtle temptations. Somebody walk up to you and say, hey, want to commit adultery with me? Most of us are going to run from that. Right? Please tell me most of you would run from that. But it's not in those blatant uh, gestures that we it's in the subtleness of the temptation and we, we take care to, to recognize the temptation and we take those baby steps because when we take that baby step when we take that baby step against sin against that temptation we can walk away victorious we can whatever that temptation is for you some of us it's the table when we take that step, that that, for, that decision, I will not indulge, then we are victorious in Him. Faith does not quit. It knows there's a bigger purpose than walking with the Lord. It stays focused on God's directive word and it stays the core clinging to His hand. I'm glad to know, I think Brother Barry mentioned it earlier, that our God has not yielded his control. Our God is King of kings and Lord of lords and he always will be. So when the satanic world system tries to destroy you, destroy your family, destroy your testimony, destroy your faith you can stand up against it in your faith and walk forward with him. But it begins with a decision decision to never stop walking with Jesus. See, faith overcomes the world. How do you know that? You look at the Word of God. There are testimonies in Scripture. Genesis 22, Abraham was commanded by the Lord to take his son Isaac to a mountain to sacrifice him as a gift. Abraham told his servants, we're going to go up to the mountain and sacrifice to the Lord and we will return to you. Abraham knew that when he went up there because God had given him a promise in a son that God would keep that promise. But he was willing to be faithful to the Lord. And so he goes up the mountain with his son. He carries everything necessary but the the lamb for sacrifice and he ties his son up and he places him on that altar and he, he draws his knife back to offer the sacrifice and the Lord says, Abraham, stop! It's a test. Of his faith and Abraham knew in his faith he could be obedient to the Lord and the Lord would not fail him would not turn away from his promises Joseph kept his integrity if you read the last 10 chapters uh, or a little more of the of the book of Genesis you find Joseph a man who's walking with the Lord sold in the house of Potiphar Potiphar's, uh, Potiphar leaves Joseph in full control of the house the only problem that uh, Joseph had was Potiphar's wife she was hot on his trail Uh, She tried and tried and tried to get him to commit adultery with her. Yet what did Joseph do? Time and time again, Joseph maintained his integrity and pushed her away. Finally, she lied about him. She lied about him, and he went to prison for it. But through it all, because Joseph was faithful, Joseph rose victorious to say, My God has brought me here to save life. Why? Because he was a man of faith and would rather keep his integrity than indulge a moment of pleasure. Joshua at the battle of Jericho, Joshua is leading the people of Israel into the land of Canaan. They come to this town of Jericho that was heavily fortified. And, and the, the, the Lord said to Joshua, Joshua, well, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take your army and I want you to march around that city. Uh, one time for six days, and on the seventh day you march around it seven times. And when you get through marching around there on the seventh time, I want you to blow your trumpets and the walls will come trembling down. You know what we would do if God gave us that instruction? What? What about the cannons and the missiles? They didn't have that. But they had some, way, some weapons of war. They had some tactics. That's not what God told him to do. Let me stop right there and say this to you this morning. Sometimes the mentality that God gave us common sense is the very thing. I believe God gave us common sense. I'm not arguing with that. But I want you to understand, when God moves upon your life in a way that seems uncommon to you, it does not mean that you succumb to common sense. Common sense is one of the ways we miss opportunities to walk in faith every day of our lives. Because God is not bound to our common sense. Because he is a supernatural, uncommon God. What they do? They marched around the city. When they blew the trumpets, what happened? The walls, archaeologists say that the walls, literally, they didn't fall out. They imploded. They just fell down. Why? Because Joshua, in his faith, knew that this didn't make a bit of sense in the world, but my God told me to. And they moved forward. in the Lord David fighting Goliath when all the army shakes and trembles at the sight of Goliath and and they, they they're scared to death. David a young boy, young shepherd boy, walks up with five smooth stones and a slingshot and he looks Goliath in the eye and says today by my God we will win this battle and he throws that and he hits Goliath in between the eyes and Goliath drops dead. Well actually he may not have dropped dead but it did die when David cut his head off. Why? Because little David had more faith than King Saul and the rest of the army. Because God know, God knew that he could trust David to, to do something that the world system said he couldn't. Elijah at Carmel. Oh, you remember the story of Elijah at Carmel? Uh, when he stepped there with the 450 prophets of Baal and, and he he told he challenged them Oh, look, I want you to get your, your stuff. I want you to, to build your altar. And we're going to cry out to, to, the, to our gods. And, and whoever's God shows up, that man wins. Oh, that's the, the prophets of Baal, they gathered all their stuff. They built their altars. They stood there. From morning to evening, they cried out to the Lord. They cried out to the Lord. They cried out to the Lord. They went into some kind of ritual uh, thing where they began to cut themselves. They began to do things their religion called for. And yet their God never showed His face. Yet Elijah steps up. And Elijah says, uh, as Elijah steps up, he cried out to the Lord God Almighty. And in an instant, the the... the Lord sent fire down from heaven that took the altar. It drank the water around the altar. Oh, and God was victorious. Oh, listen to me this morning. I'm not worried about Islam, ISIS, or whatever, because my God shut the mouths of the lions around Daniel. You understand this morning, if our God is great, we can trust Him. If our God is great, and He is, we can walk with Him. If our God is great, we can know victory every day of our lives. We've got to trust Him. We've got to walk with Him. We've got to yield ourselves to His control. And when we allow Him to have all of us, He will show Himself victorious in our lives. Many of you want victory. You want victory over that habit. You want victory over that temptation. You want victory over that doubt, that fear, that discouragement. You want victory. You will never find it in your own self, in your own mind. You'll find it first when you yield to Him. You see, the biggest problem most of us have is is a spiritual problem. We try and fulfill a spiritual problem with worldly answers. Scripture says that will never work. It begins when we yield our lives. I'm to invite you to do that today. I don't know what all your problems are, but I do know this. God wants you to have victory over them. God wants you to have victory as you walk with Him. And you can if you'll yield yourself to Him today. Father, I thank You for the opportunity to preach Your Word. I thank You for the victory that You give in my life when I walk with You. Father, you know areas in my life where I need victory today. You know every detail about the folks in this room. Some of them need to be saved today. I pray, Lord, that in light of the cross of Christ and the empty tomb, they would look to you and trust you today. Father, others that have been struggling for so long, I pray that right now, they would yield themselves first to you. They would focus on you. And that today, in deciding, deciding in faith, you are their only hope of victory. I pray, Lord, that they would begin to see victory.